Hey, this is Keith Jones, the new president of Hockey Operations of the Flyers, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, PD Light Podcast, Pampers Podcast, the only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy on Twitter at Joy on Broad, joined by Chris Terrian Bundy at C Terrian Six. Oh, I try to make it on one breath. And Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at Ansan Philly. Guys, it is a great day, a great day, a great Friday, where we sat around and we said, what the hell are we going to talk about? And then we remembered we had a topic left over from last week. It bailed us out. And here we are. With episode 216 of the Only Flyers podcast, you think that by by now somebody would have started another Flyers podcast? They still haven't. 216 episodes later, um, Bundy has shaved his beard. Anthony is wearing a backwards cap as usual, and we have lots of people who are here watching live. So, uh, Bundy, let me go to you first. How uh, how are you feeling today? And are you excited to talk a little bit of Flyers hockey? Um, well, I'm always excited to talk hockey, Russ, and um, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm in a rather polite mood this morning. I am excited to talk about flyer turnarounds and uh, who may have a better year. I'm looking at kind of look, just pulled out a roster. And the more I look at it, it only looks like there might be two or three candidates of like who could, because there's so many new faces and, and guys that actually had good years, but yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, um, yeah. I mean, we're getting pretty close, right? Like we're getting into the middle of the NFL preseason and, the, and training camp for the flyers, just a little over, probably over a month away. So. Things will move pretty quick, but uh, be interesting. It's it's kind of it kind of neat as you get closer to the training camp, trying to formulate kind of lines and 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 have like a look at what this team may look like. And I'm just kind of starting to do that now as we approach training camp. But these are still the dog days of August, Russ. And uh, and I think we have a good topic today. To kind of pick a few guys and see if there's a, a turnaround in their uh, uh, in their future. Anthony, Anthony. Anthony in the middle. Yeah. How you doing? How you doing, bud? How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing great. Doing doing really good. Just finished uh, just finished the baseball pod. Now I'm doing some hockey in August. It's uh, you know can't ask for can't ask for a better day. Oh, I got I got a football related thing that will tie into something we've talked about on this show uh, last week. So I'm gonna yeah. Yeah. So is that going to be like gonna... one last thing? We're going to get to the football uh, thing? Or yeah, you know, you know, you know, know the football? Football? Like, you want a little, little pig skin? Huh? It's, what are we it, doing? It relates, it relates to Matvey Mishkov. So whenever you're okay. ready for that, you just ask me and then I'll throw it out there for you. So I'm going to like lobby a pass and you want to you take it to the end zone. On That's kind of the idea. Yeah, it's a football okay. related thing. So yeah, sure. Somebody in the comments, please remind us later because I'll, I'll forget. Bundy will forget. I think Bundy's already forgotten. I, I won't forget. I'll I'll bring it up anyway. That's right. Go ahead. All right. So the topic of today's show as uh, as indicated by the episode title, is bounce-back candidates for the 2023-24 Flyers team. Now, to Bundy's point, there aren't that many people that you look at on this roster and say they'd even be eligible. But the thumbnail of this episode has three guys on it. All right? We have Sean Couturier, Cam Atkinson, and Ryan Ellis. Now, uh, one of those was a joke. I'll let you pick which one. There, there was another name that came up on Twitter um, last night, and that was Joel Farabee. I think Farabee could potentially count as a potential bounce back candidate. So he's the lead horse for me. Yeah. So I mean, there there are three guys that we can definitely talk about. But before we get into it, 
Can you guys think of any others that might be worthy of discussion? And we'll throw it out to the people on, on YouTube and Facebook as well if they want to drop those in the comments. But, Ant, let me go to you first because we'll dive into those three especially. But is there somebody that's not one of that trio that you go, ah, maybe, maybe, maybe bounce back? Well, I'd like, well, let's see. I, yeah, I, I would add one more name to that list. And I would say that Travis Sanheim has to fit on that list somewhere as well. Because I do not think Travis Sanheim had a good year last season. Obviously, the Flyers tried to trade him, um, and uh, that trade wasn't able to go through because of um, uh, you know Tory Krug not being willing to waive his no trade clause. So the Flyers still have Travis Sanheim, and if he's going to be here and you're going to get anything of value for him down the road, you need Travis Sanheim to have a better season than he had last year. So I think that he also is a guy that has to be on the list. Do I think he's going to bounce back? That's a different question, but I, I think that it's. Is he a candidate to, I think, yes, certainly he is. Bundy, is there anybody else that you think could potentially count, or do we want to limit it to the four horsemen of the apocalypse? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I agree with Anthony at Sandheim. I mean, he just, by default in his contract and, and term, I mean, when I'm looking at what, I'm just on one of these sites looking at just their basic summer depth chart, if you will. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the defense, the way that they have it listed, Sandheim and Ristolainen. I mean, you don't have anything close to like a, a top defensive pair, like a true number one pair. That's supposed to be Sandheim based on, you know, his figures and, and what they paid him and what they viewed him. But then they tried to, you know, tried to off, uh, shovel him off in the summer. And that's fine. That's business. Like that's an understood part of it. But He'd be he'd be one like he's gonna have to really rise his game and, and raise raise the level of his game excuse me uh, for them to get any better um, defensively. When you look at the second pair, they have like Mark Stahl with Cam York. Mark Stahl had a really good finish last year in Florida. He had a, a great year. Can you expect a repeat of that? I don't know. I'm, I'm not. It's not something I'm looking for. To me, he's a warm body at this point. That they're like, hey, he fell into our lap. Uh, let's take him. And then you got Nick Sealer. Um, who's fine and he just has to keep doing what he's doing. He's slotted perfectly uh, with Sean Walker, perhaps uh, on, on that other side. So the other defense, but up front for me, guys, it's, it's Farabee. I mean, Chuck gave him that contract, which was probably, I don't know. He's thinking that that was one that where they're going to like, it's going to look really good for them. And so oh, we're going to get him cheap. That was a lot of money, like a mm -hmm. ton of money and term for a guy that hadn't really proved much at the time. That uh, was another Chuck special, as I call it. And um, and I think what happens is when you when you look at it like that, like he's the biggest one. You know, he's got to go to the front of that. He's got to score goals. The guy that I thought did really turn the corner last year was Morgan Frost. I like the way – so he's got to keep developing and getting better. But that's, you know, again, and then the two questions, Couturier, Atkinson coming off of injury, what does that look like? Um, and then the fourth line, if it's Delorier, Ryan Poling, and Garnet Hathaway – that's a pretty good fourth line, actually, uh, when you look at just on paper. But for me, guys, it's the, the meat and potatoes of this team right now based on what salary and players that need to get better. I only have two. And that's at, at the front of the line. That's Farabee and, and Sandheim. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's it because the other guys, it doesn't matter. They're injured. They weren't. These guys are part of your core. Yeah, they haven't really taken that leap yet. Unless they do it, it, do it doesn't matter because they're making a lot of money and, and they haven't shown that they've they've earned that second contract yet. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Bundy. Um, I'll, I'll add this for Farabee. 
there, there was a real concern. One of the reasons that they really felt the need to jettison Kevin Hayes was they felt that there was that he had some influence on some younger players that you know in the room um, that maybe wasn't the greatest influence. And Joel Farabee was one of those guys that they kind of felt like was you know he was kind of a in Kevin Hayes's hip pocket a lot. He was like that little, um, you know, Hey, I'm going to hang out with this veteran guy. I'm going to be around this veteran guy. He's going to be the guy I go to whenever I have questions or problems, whatever. And, and not to say that it was anything nefarious by any stretch of the imagination, because Kevin Hayes is a, is a good guy, right? Guys like him, the other players like him, but they, but if you don't feel like he had the right work ethic or the right attitude for what you want for your team, and he's bringing along a younger player into his, mindset and mentality that is going to that is going to detract from what you need that player to be and the flyers need Farabee to be a lot better so i think it was one of the reasons what they why they had to say we need to move on from kevin hayes even if we get nothing in return is it need we need joel Farabee to be a better player and we feel like separating him from that from kevin hayes will make him a better player so that's kind of what the flyers are looking at there um and so i think that that is is going to be an important thing how does he respond without that guy being in the locker room with him and i think that that will that will indicate pretty quick in this season whether farabee is part of the future or not part of the future and whether he's a guy you're going to move on from um and try and move to another team because he's young and might be attractive or you say hey, yeah, this guy is going to be part of our core for a long time yeah. to come. One of the things, too, when you go with a guy like Kevin Hayes, and, you know, you get an aging guy who's, uh, you know, he's um, making a lot of money. He had a good, uh, a very successful start to the season, like, point-wise this year. But I, as as, you, as more flyer people or people around the scenario be, uh, at the end of the year, I mean, it became paramount, pretty obvious, to just hearing whispers that there was nothing more important than getting him out of the locker room for the future of this team. That was to them the most important thing uh in the offseason was making sure that he was not in the locker room moving forward. And uh that became pretty pretty clear pretty quick. Um but that that is what happened. It doesn't mean he's a bad guy. It just means that when you have a set of circumstances around a coach like John, and I've been I've been in this before. We have a guy like John Tortorella who doesn't like you, he knows that there's a rift. It's an uneasy kind of relationship with him. What happens is if you're on a team that's not going to win and you know it, what you do is you don't inadvertently, you just get, you don't inadvertently get yourself tied up with the winning part of it or the coach. You end up sticking with a lot of the younger guys who will listen to you because you feel like you're kind of shit on and you've been the guy that someone, you know, the coach has dumped on me, look at me. And then other guys find sympathy through that. And that's the kind of attitude. That's a, an attitude you got to get the fuck right out of the locker room as fast as possible because it'll it'll literally spread like a wildfire. And when that wildfire spreads, because you got some guy in there that's got his own agenda because things aren't good with the coach, or then he drags another guy into it, then you're dealing not with one guy but then two guys. And then when the two guys start spreading more wildfire, you got four guys and five. And that's how you have to make sure you cut that off and do it really quick. Uh, and that's to me was was paramount to what they were trying to do. But this is, uh, you know, again, it, yes, chemistry is right. Development is super important. And um, the psyche and what you believe, you know, what you're trained to believe and what you're supposed to believe that your team is, is what what it means to you for the year and what it means to the people running it. 
You cannot have a guy in there who's going to self-serve himself, uh, put himself before the team, and then in turn drag other guys down with him because he's the one that has a beef with the coach and vice versa, or he wasn't on uh, the ice at the end of the game because he didn't like his defensive effort in the second period. That stuff is visually bad for younger guys to see from a learning curve. And if you keep it around too much, you can have guys that just never turn the corner in their careers and they stay the same way the whole time because they learn wrong early in their careers. It's interesting because, uh, the things that you hear about certain players and Bundy, like you, you obviously know this is a former player, the things that get out to public, the way that people perceive a player, what they allow to be shown about themselves, all that. When things start to come out and you start to hear that there could be a bad influence in the locker room, but like the public perception is like, eh, I don't know, maybe you must say spotless or say is, is largely positive. There are certain things you can report on and certain things you can't, but to Ant's point, like if if the idea here is that there are multiple people in the organization who felt like Kevin Hayes was a bad influence or potentially a bad influence, you know, on or off the ice for a guy like Joel Farabee, and you realize that like Farabee is supposed to have a much longer career here and a much brighter future here than Kevin Hayes was going to, then it's addition by subtraction, which is where you get back to the actual deal that they made earlier this offseason and getting rid of Kevin Hayes. And there were some people who really poo-pooed it because they thought, you know, oh, you should have gotten more than, than you got. Sometimes it really is just that addition by subtraction. You know, you think about, you remove that element, you allow for whatever the culture is here, the, the torts culture or whatever you're going to go with. But whatever that culture actually looks like, if that guy being out of here allows that culture to kind of permeate now and, and to actually be instilled in some of the players that maybe there was a bit of a buffer by a veteran player, well, then all of a sudden, maybe you're looking at a guy that's going to have a, a better bounce back season. And by the way, over on YouTube, we put up a poll asking people who they thought was going to be the biggest bounce back candidate this year. Joel Farabee, 68% of the vote so far, seven minutes into the poll. Sean Couturier at 24%. Cam Atkinson at 7%. Travis Sanheim at 2%. Now, I think it's it, it's probably now unanimous that Farabee's best poised. Let's go to that next level, that next tier. And you, you, you mentioned how Sandheim had such a bad season and like looking at the contract and realizing that like this guy very clearly knows that this team was trying to get rid of him in the off season. You have to suck it up. You have to show up. You have to be a professional come to work, but like that's going to weigh on your mind. How much harder does that knowledge and that weight now weigh on him going into this season, as opposed to just being like, Hey, last year was a shit year. Second year with this coach. Like, let's give it a shot. Do you think that's going to play you know, a, a role in this in, in trying to get him back on track. Yeah, it's probably a better question for Bundy because I'm sure he's been in locker rooms with guys in those situations before, right? Where they, you know, they heard they were being traded and then they weren't and then they had us come back and play with the team anyway, right? So, um, and, and you know, how do you separate what the business of the sport is from, from you know, actually playing the game? Um, yeah. so, so I think that ultimately I, I would like to hear what Bundy has to say about that. Um, but I do think that, you know, if you're Travis Sanheim, you have to look at it as that was that was business. And they tried to move me because they felt it was good business, good for the team. It didn't happen. But now they're keeping me here. 
Um, I now have a no movement clause or no trade clause um, that kicked in. So now I have some more control over where I'm at going forward. Um, and I can dictate where I go and, and where I'm at based on how I play. And so therefore, Travis Sanheim has to look at it and say, I need to be the best version of myself because if I want to stay here, I want to show them that I deserve to be here. Or if I don't want to stay here and I don't want to play for for John Tortorella and I want to go somewhere else, I got to be the best version of myself for a short period of time so that I can then turn to them and say, okay, look at how well I'm playing. Now find me a new home uh, that I'm willing to go to. So when you, when you have that no trade clause, I think it really kind of gives you a little bit more ownership over your play a little bit and, and, and where that, you know, what that means for you going forward. So I look at Sandheim and say, this is a guy that should understand that should recognize that his agent better be telling him that, and that he can then take it and, and, and do what he can to make himself a better player. And that could only benefit both himself and the franchise and the flyers franchise. So I think that, I think that he, to me is a very important bounce back candidate because if he doesn't bounce back, if he still has another bad year, what does that tell you about the guy from the on the inside right what does that tell you about the guy from his what he worries about or you know oh you know what was me kind of an attitude you don't want to see that at all out of a guy whether he's going to be on your team or not because you got to give you got he's got to have some kind of value to you so to me this is a, is is almost the most important player uh for bounce back purposes because of everything that surrounded him um, as far as possibly being traded in the offseason and everything else. So, Bundy, I don't know. Like I said, you've probably had guys who um, who have been in that position before, and, and how they respond to it really kind of dictates, you know, their futures, really. Yeah, and I think in the, the, the like, the world that we live in now in just pro sports, I mean, look at uh, – um, look at the guy this week, uh, Harden with the Stixers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, these guys are like mercenaries. Right, like they're at a point now where they're the ones controlling the league, and and I just think that with hockey, there's not as obviously you're not talking about forty million dollar a year salary with a uh, a guy, you know, with your, the numbers are far significantly different. But I think with the guy with, with hockey, it's it's a matter of uh, an understanding, like especially with the easy sell is to say, listen, we you know we were trying to make changes. You can sell it with nothing personal, but we have to flip the whole script here. I'm a new GM or with a coach and. Um, it's just be professional about it. That wouldn't bother me at all, to be honest with you. And, 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 uh, if they called me in and explained it, I don't, I wouldn't need an explanation. I know now everybody needs to sit down and a, you know, a storybook read to them about why it didn't happen, but, uh, they would have just had to tell me, Hey, we tried to trade. You didn't happen. And, uh, I would have went out to training camp and just did what I did every other year, but that's, that's what you want. And that's the expectation. Um, and I hope that that's the case. Um, someone was saying down at the bottom, like where they're saying maybe Torts can um, we'll talk to him. Where or Danny? A hundred percent. I actually asked Danny that um, when I went in before and said, "Hey, is that something that a discussion you have beforehand?" And he actually said, "Yeah, that's something you know I've talked. I, we talked to Travis about, and he understood that the, there's a business in this. So, you know, saying that you understand there's a business, and then actually dealing with it when you're when those feelings are involved are two different things. So." Um, a lot of, a lot will come down guys again to the first month and a half, two months of the season to see where this team is. And then that's again, where see what happens is when you win, good things happen and it, it kind of builds up your locker room and builds up the, uh, the good feelings you have. And when you lose, and if you're losing a lot early, it can really, really suck the wind out of a locker room pretty quick. And that's where 
good coaching and having a, a really good foundation built is so important to have being a good coach and, and having good guys in that locker room. Because when times are tough for your younger players and your team's maybe not going to win or they don't have a deep playoff run um, in the cards, that's why you got to make sure that you have a good locker room and you're still building towards the future for your young guys. So there has to be, if I'm Sanheim, you know what? I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to shut my mouth. I'm making a lot of money. Uh, I, they, they did, they gave me a contract that I don't know if anybody other than Chucky e. F would have given them. And, uh, and I, no, I mean, seriously. And Fletcher Mort. I mean it, like I say that he got a, he got a deal that it wouldn't have happened if he waited another year. So, uh, you know, Go out, enjoy yourself, be a hockey player, be a good teammate, be a good player, and go out and have a great year. And if you know what? If your team's not good again and you're not getting along with the coach, you don't like it here, but you've had a good year, you can go then. You can flip the script on the team and say, you know what? I want out of here. Yep. And that, and that's what you do. You you, you have the ability in, in sports to, as a player, if they don't like you one minute, believe me, guys, I've been in a doghouse for a month. And then, believe it or not, I was living in the penthouse about five days later. That's how quick things can change in pro sports, especially hockey. But that's all I would tell tell Sandheim: just be a good, just go out and play, have be a good player. We've seen you be a good player before. Go do it again, you know. And, and be the and that's that's a part. Like there's, you know, I talked to Chief about. Sorry, Ant, I'll let you go in a sec here. No, it's fine. Talk to Chief about him. You know, Barubi. You know, I mean, it's hard to get a guy who's big like that that can skate. And any and and that's kind of the, the the thing in the NHL where you talk about like you know what do you need in the NFL that you have in the NHL? It's a big mobile skating defenseman, and that's why there was such, yeah that's why the priority was high from St. Louis and why they wanted him, um, and why the Flyers are probably willing to trade him was because it, 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 the symmetry just didn't match up with where they're at in, in their franchise right now. Um, there's a lot that goes in it, but if I'm him, I'm just coming out and playing. Any player that was on the trade block where he tried to get traded and didn't happen. Just suck it up and go play. You have the luxury of, of playing a, a kid's game and make a shitload of money doing it. And the most important thing, of course, for Travis Sanheim is doing justice to his jersey number. <laughs> I did. I never even occurred to that. But anyway, yeah. I mean, <laughs> gotta do this. Gotta do, do right by the number six, Bundy. You know what? He's done. He's done a fine job. It's, you know what? Listen, when you're not, you're up there and your team's down. It's hard sometimes, but. You know, I'm always rooting for number six, no matter who will ever wear it. And uh, and I'm hoping Travis does have – I don't want to say he had an awful year, but he needs to be better than he, he was. He had a bad year. Yeah. He had a bad yeah. year. He had a down year. He had a down year from down what year. he was yeah. previous, previously, yes, for sure. Which is – you know, I think if there's if there's one thing about this that we can definitely say, like he needs to toughen up on the ice. He needs to toughen up in the corners. He he doesn't play a physical game. Um, But in the past, and there have been times that you and I have sat up there next to each other and said, like, he he's – Sometimes you're like, he's the best defenseman on the team. This is even when Provorov was here. Like he was just the most consistent. Was he like the highest end? Did he ever make you think that he could be a number one? No, but like there have been seasons where you go, all right, you know, like game in and game out, he kind of is their best defenseman. Low bar, admittedly. But like if you can get back to that, if maybe could it have been the burden of getting that new contract and feeling the need to live up to it? Could it have been, you know, being under a new coach? Like maybe it's all of that. And if he gets to come into the season, clears his head, and goes back to keeping it simple and going back to being the defenseman that he can be, controlling his controllables, he could be poised for a dark horse breakout bounce back year. Now, we have a lot of people in the comments that are, are weighing in here. We'll get to as many of them as possible. Um, but there, there's another guy that we should discuss uh, before we get to the big one, and that's Cam Atkinson. Now, Atkinson 
uh, missed last season. There was a very horrible rumor going around about what his injury was. Um, I don't know if today's the day, Ant. Uh, I don't but, even know what you're talking about, so I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear it. So yeah, yeah, let's let's move on from that, Russ. <laughs> Russ was right. Russ was right. Um, it had nothing to do uh, with Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson, nice guy, good family man. Nothing to do with him. Had to do with somebody else. Um, so Cam Atkinson missed last season. There were all kinds of questions around, like he was back in Columbus and he was here and back and forth. Um, a guy who should be able to be leaned on as a leader, somebody who's well respected in the league. We don't exactly know what we're going to get from him this year, but and when you look at what Cam Atkinson can be, there have been questions in the comments. Could he potentially be like if Atkinson's healthy? Is he a top line? Is he second line? Do they ease him in at third line? Like, where do you see him starting the year if he's healthy? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think that obviously you have two guys on the right wing that you want to play more than him on your roster in Konechny and Tippett, right? So mm -hmm. ultimately, Cam Atkinson's probably your third line right wing unless somebody moves over to the left side, in which case then he can play second line right wing. Um what I think you want to see from Cam Atkinson is I think you want to see, you know, the fact that, you know, can he skate like he's always skated or he's got, he's been a good skater in his career. Can he put the puck in the net like he was doing before he got injured? Um, he had a decent season here, his first year with the Flyers, obviously a couple of years back with Columbus, he had a 40 goal season. Obviously he's not, you don't want, you don't need him to be that. I mean, if he is, that's fantastic. But I mean, if he, if he can show that he could be on a 25 goal pace, Right. Um, I think he's a guy that ultimately could be one of those um, retention candidates at the trade deadline. And, and that's, I think, what you're hoping for, because if, in fact, um, he could come out and have a good start to his season, show that he can still skate, show that he can put the puck in the net. You look at that contract and you say, well, five point eight million. That's not, not an easy contract to move, especially with another year left. But the Flyers can take on some salary. They do have a retention slot left. So maybe if you say, look, we'll eat some of that salary, and now all of a sudden you're getting Cam Atkinson if you're another team um, you know, at a 25-goal scoring pace uh, for half of that salary you know, or $3 million of it, right? Let's just say you're paying $3 million. Well, then it's, that's good value, right? And so maybe you're willing to give the Flyers something for, for Cam Atkinson. So I think it's important for Cam – to have a good start to this season for no other reason than it benefit the Flyers down the road more so than it's going to benefit them in the in short, in the short term. Because you keep in mind, he's under contract for two more years. He's not going to be part of this, you know, the, the renaissance of the Flyers franchise, right? They like him. He's a great guy, very well liked in that, in that locker room, very well respected around the league. But he's not going to be part of when the flyers are contenders. So you need him, but you need him to be good now, not only to be a role model in the locker room, but also to potentially bring you to be a, an asset to bring you back something in return. Does he bring more value to a team at the, at the uh, deadline or going into next off season where he's only got one more year under contract? It all, it all depends really, right? Like where he's at as a player, look at Patrick Kane, right? Like he's no different essentially than a guy like Cam Atkinson. For, for a sense, right? Like you, he's a guy that's on a, on a team that's, uh, you know, not at the top of the heap. So at the trade deadline, that's where they're going to have to move guys like that. And 
How did Patrick Kane work out with New York? They gave up not a ton to get, to get him. Um, but again, that, that that wasn't the end difference for them. But if I'm Atkinson, I'm absolutely playing to get moved. You know, there's no few. I mean, he's not going to, there's just no Stanley Cup, like in terms of where they're at this year for Cam Atkinson. So his best thing would be to have a great start if he's thinking inside the box and to do everything he can to get him, make himself uh, an affordable uh, commodity for somebody else to pick up. And then the Flyers in turn can probably get something. If he plays well, it's a win-win for everybody, for himself and for the team, because the team can then get something, maybe a good draft pick back. If he's playing well, a second rounder, maybe something like that at the deadline. If you can get a warm body, great that you like, but there's a lot, there's a lot of guys that that have those opportunities, you know, another guy too. And I don't know necessarily where we're saying, I don't know his situation, but we can move to him. And he's the enigma for me is Coots. You know, like yeah. it, it Coots is another guy. Like he's got a lot of years left. He's missed essentially two years of hockey. I've talked about this before. I've had a back injury. Like I said, I still feel it sometimes today. And that was 23 years ago that I had that injury in the year 2000. And it still hurts some days. So I'm less optimistic only because I know what a bad back feels like. But he's another guy. If Coots can somehow play himself into a spot where he's playing really well, that may be another another something else the Flyers can do with that. If he says, "Hey, I don't like the way things are looking," uh, maybe I, there's a team that's playing better that, or, or a team that's got better future that maybe they move him to. I don't know that. I don't think he knows that. But these are all certainly things that they're going to have to keep a close eye on this year. And a lot of it is going to come down to those guys. The guys we're talking about, yes, they're going to have to have good good years and good starts for this team if they're going to at least look good early, as we call them, the four horsemen. And yeah. I think that that's really, really is, is super important uh, in terms of where they're at. But this is this, these are guys that have to, you know, you know, looking at the team coming in, they, you can't say, well, we're going to be playing hockey in April when the season's over. If they want to play hockey in April, they need to go have themselves either a great team to elevate the Flyers or to elevate themselves so that everybody can become happy and the Flyers can reacquire assets for those guys making significant money on, on expiring deals in the next couple of years. The thing that's tricky is if you look at these two, right? Atkinson and Couturier. Atkinson's under contract for this year and next, 5.875 million. You look at that and say, all right, if he proves that he's healthy, he can be a 20, 25 goal scorer. He can play both wings, uh, brings good, good leadership, good guy in the locker room. You can probably sell a team on that. You can sell a top end team or a bubble team that's trying to look to make the playoffs. It's looking for one guy to push them over the hump, right? So Atkinson, I think, is like a much more easily tradable asset at the deadline. Couturier, to me, I don't think there's any way that you're going to be able to deal him during the season this year, right? Because, Bundy, to your point, it the back is such a difficult thing to come back from and is also something that can flare up at any point. If you're a GM of another team and you look at his deal, he's under contract for six seasons. That includes this one. So this year and five beyond at $7.75 million a year. Now, will the cap eventually go up? Yes. Will the percentage of the cap that this contract takes up be smaller than it is now? Of course. However, if he were to prove to be healthy and you make a deal for him at the deadline and the back flares up and this guy that you're going out and acquiring to be one of your top two centers to shut down the opposing team's top line, if that back flares up and now he can't play in the playoffs or he's in and out of the lineup and you've got him for another five years, that's a hard sell. So to me, it almost feels like Couturier can have a nice bounce back season potentially for this team this year. 
but it's going to take the entire season before I think another team is really going to take that on or a team's going to want you to pick up at least half the tab. And I can't envision a scenario where this team sits down and says, yeah, four years from now and five years from now, when we think that we're going to actually be doing something, we're going to be fine paying three and a half million, 3.7 million a year to not have him on the team. Like, Ant, do you, do you see that the same way? Do you think that they can deal him? Yeah. Soon? Like where you at? No, he's not. He's, I don't think Sean Couturier is a movable player. Um, even if he comes back and he plays to the level that he was at before his injury, I still don't think he's a movable player right away. Um, he's got to really be at that selkie level, and I think he's got to be at that selkie level for two seasons, this season and next season. Wow. Before you can, I mean, maybe next year's trade deadline, somebody would say, yeah, I'll take that. But, you know, if he's proving that he can be healthy for, for, good period of time it's going to be he's not going to be that level right off the bat obviously having not played for two years so it's going to take him time to get there do i think he can get there i mean he's got the ability to be that kind of player sure he's got that ability but we don't know i mean like bundy keeps talking about back injuries man they're they're a tricky thing they're a scary thing and and you know he may never be that kind of player again in which case then is anybody going to touch a contract of seven seven point seven five no, they're not. And so ultimately, what you what you got to hope if you're the Flyers is that Coots comes back and he is some semblance of himself. Even if it's not 100% of what he was as a Selkie candidate, if he's at least like 85% of that, and you look at it and say, okay, he's got a contract that's not the greatest, but he's a good player. He's, he's well-liked. He's a leader on this team. He can be a, a dominant in the face-off circle. He can kill penalties. You know, ultimately, maybe he's a great shutdown third line guy for 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 us when we're a contender down the road, and you just eat the salary for a couple of years and say, yeah, it is what it is. That's what you're. That's what you kind of hope for, right? I mean, at 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 minimum, what you really hope doesn't happen is that he can't play. Because if he comes back and he can't play, now it's an albatross. Now it's a contract that you're probably you're definitely not going to be able to trade. You probably don't want to have to keep carrying. And then does he become a buyout, right? I mean, that's that's what you ultimately don't want. That's like the worst case scenario. So, but we don't know. I mean, he might not be able to play. Who knows? You know, I mean, he's 30 years old and hasn't played in two years. I mean, that's yeah. that's, that's a tricky spot to be. He's not, and he's not, he's not a 30-year-old 30, you know? Like all, because like, he came because he came in the league at the age that he did and he was thrust into the role that he was. Yeah, he really didn't miss for the most part. Didn't miss significant amounts of games, but he he probably has what the mileage of a thirty-three year old player at thirty, right? Like the there, there's only so yeah. much tread on the tires, you know. Like yeah, Bundy, I mean, if, but like Bundy, from from your perspective, like how when you when you look at the age of a player. And then you look at the role they've played and everything like how, how big of a swing do you actually view that as, you know, like guy comes in at 18, 19 years old versus comes into the league at, you know, 23 or something like how big of a, of a swing is this? Or am I just like full of shit? Well, <laughs> okay. Let's not you know, answer. If I'm full towards of the end of my career, I, I, my, end of my career, I had hitch as a coach. So I felt like I was 57, <laughs> but I was only 35. So, 
that's what that's what that felt like. So yes, when you put in all the your physical attributes, your mental capacity for how much you can take, it all it all depends. It does. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Coots definitely for the you know he's played like a you know real hard. He's played big minutes in his career here already, and I, you won't find me saying anything bad about Sean Couturier because he always gives it a hundred and ten percent. But I think the biggest part has been, um, it, it, yeah, he's. I don't care what anybody says, and I'm, I can't sugarcoat it. You just—he's got miles on him with that back injury, and and my listen, guys, we missed that that twenty the two thousand four year, right? Because of that lockout, it's really hard. Like I came back and played it, played for a year. I mean, it was it was it's expecting a lot. That when you miss two years, when you're you know you're trying to recover from an injury at the same time, you know I I have I wonder I I wonder with the years left on that contract how it's going to look, how many times it might get moved, if it's going to get bought out, or if he's going to shine, if the injury is going to feel better and he's going to be able to to finish off his contract and and help build with this team uh, when it becomes, you know, a a team that's going to succeed. But I don't know. I mean, I'm seeing this guy talking about Kopitar's career. The thing is, the problem with Kopitar is he won not really early in his career, but like kind of midway through, and then he's evolved into or devolved depending on how you look at it into that shutdown type of role, but he's always been a great defensive player like Couturier. I think he was a little bit better offensively than Coots uh, in his heyday. Uh, Kopitar certainly was an excellent, outstanding hockey player and the, and the, and the, the leader of that team for a lot of years, but he's similar to Coots in a lot of ways. Um, I just worry a lot about the not having played in two years. Some people may say, Oh, it's helped that he hasn't. I don't look at it like that at all guys, only because I've had a back injury and I'm not optimistic about the prospects of it. Just because I've been there, done that, I've had a bad back, and uh, and I know what it's like to try to play hockey and to maintain it and to try to get back out every single day with it feeling 110% is not usually not in the cards. Yeah. Let me try I mean, to spin I mean, this po- – like, can I spin this positively quick, Ant, before you get to this? Like, Bergeron retired. Bergeron was – widely considered one of the best defensive forwards of, of his generation, right? Six selfies. If Couturier is healthy, healthy ish, like if he, if he really does return to form this year and then you go into the off season, no, no real flare ups, no significant miss thing. Like there are a ton of teams that would have loved to have gone out and gotten a Patrice Bergeron. I'm not saying they're the same player because they're not, but if he does prove that he can stay healthy this year, does that calculus change a little bit just no. because you don't have a guy like that available? No, no, okay. his contract's too big. It's too long. It's too risky at this point. But that's the yeah. reason. It's the six years, seven point seven five. You just cannot, cannot have that. No, I don't see it as he. I don't think he's a movable commodity at this time. I think you're still looking at least a year, before, and he has to show that he has um, the Plays ability 90% to play of that, the yeah, yeah, and play at that level. Um, so like, I mean, ultimately, I mean, the question that was asked earlier by that we popped up onto the screen about, can he be the Kopitar for the flyers? I mean, ultimately he can not necessarily to the level of play of Kopitar, but in the sense of, can he be a third line center on a team that's, that's a contender three years from now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe that's what they need him to be. Um, but they need him to play first but before we ever get to that question they have to see can he play and can he play with consistency and not be in pain constantly um coming back after two years it is a big old question mark um 
right now. And of course, everybody wants to see Coots do well and, and come back and, and be himself because he's such a likable guy and a likable player and, and everything about him. I think that I don't think that there's a person here who doesn't want to see him succeed. But it's it doesn't mean it's not a question mark because it certainly is. It's certainly a big thing at this point. And, and you know, time will tell. I want to get to the people in the comments. If you have questions, comments, concerns, if you think that one of these guys stands out more than others, by all means, you can you can send those over. If you're watching on YouTube, Super Chats are available. If you want to jump the line, you don't have to, but you can. Um, guys, there, I think that the there, there's a question here that I can't see any any rationale behind, but I'll throw it up here anyway from Brad. Do you think they could sub Coots in and out for the rest and give an, an, an AHL or time to get experience? I, no. I can't see it. The, the The deal is so big. And like, you have to get resolution one way or another. Yeah. He's not, this isn't like popping Morgan Frost in and out of the lineup, right? Like this isn't, this isn't like yeah. popping Jordan, Jordan wheel or a Dale Weiss in and out of the lineup because there's yeah. somebody on the fringe that you want to get experience. Right. And, and not only that hockey is different than most than other sports. Like a lot of times, like you think about that, you know, basketball, they have guys come up on those, what, 10-day contracts, right? And they give them, a, they give guys a chance to play a little bit, and whatever. They, and you have the free substitution in and out. Okay, fine. Um, and baseball, you call up a guy from the minors, give him a, you know, a spot start or a couple starts and see what he's got, and then you could send him right back down again. Hockey's different in the sense that not – I mean, yes, certainly you could do that, but you aren't taking a player who's a veteran player out of your lineup and sitting him to let somebody come up from the AHL. If the – if the player is ready to play in the NHL, they're going to be. They'll let you know when they're ready, and then that their play will it will get them time. If Bundy, you tell me if you think this is is this is a bad interpretation. If you're ready to play, you play. Otherwise, you're a call up to fill in. You're not being called up to check and see. Oh, let's see how he how he looks. Right. I mean, that's that's not what they, they do in the NHL. You're 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 either coming up to fill in for somebody who's hurt or somebody who needs needs a, needs a spell for some reason um for whatever reason you're, you're not being able to play and you get a call up from the ahl or you're being called up to be part of the team you're not That's being called right. up you're not being called up to be looked at no and and like somebody has to be out of the lineup that night or like you get to call someone up and they're sick in the for the morning skate or something like that you have to have a player but usually if a guy's not able to play um then, then that, that decision will be made the day before. You can't have a guy in standby waiting for somebody whether or not he's going to play because it's not fair to that guy trying to get ready to, to play his game either. So I, unfortunately for, you know, I mean, it's not unfortunate. It just is what it is. But they're just going to have to see how this goes with Coots, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody, and, and really, I, it, I'm not saying in a bad way, it, it is kind of a whole a, a wait-and-see moment. It really is. I mean, and, and the bottom, I mean, the bottom line is he could play eight games and be like, wow, things look good. And then on the next day, his back goes out again. Right. Well, that's I'm going to pop one up here. That's what you're dealing with. I'm going to pop one up here, Russ, just to jump you real quick, just because it's with, off of what Bundy was just saying. He's, you know, if the nightmare scenario is that Coots does not come back to form and goes the, the Ellis route, how do you see that working out for the Flyers from a cap perspective? And the answer to that question is they'll probably go – LTIR for a year or two right but then after that then it becomes an interesting thing because they're willing to add players on LTIR when they're not competing which is this season next season so yeah you can do something like that if 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 he cannot play and he's still hurt or whatever the case might be but then those last four years of that contract 
you're not LTIRing those. That's when they're going to have to get creative. Then you're talking maybe buyout, maybe find a, a team. You know, whether everybody always says Arizona because it always seems like Arizona is the team that's you know trying to get to the floor um, that is willing to take on that contract to put on their LTIR. But then you try and then you try and move it. So um, you know, you hope that doesn't become the case. But nevertheless, it is a possibility. Before we continue, because this is important there's one thing that I need people to do or at least to consider. Do you know what it is, Anthony? Is this a, uh, is this a, is this a time? No, for the that's not what you think it is. Snow the goalie, snow the goalie shop, shop.snowthegoalie.com. Friends, Romans, countrymen, let me your ears. Head over to shop.snowthegoalie.com. You can find some amazing apparel. You've got Bundy, Bundy's face right here. The Bundy Butte shirt. We paid this model five cents. To use his likeness. That's not true. We didn't We didn't do that here. There he is. Boom. Bundy Butte. Right there. You can get Bundy's face on a shirt. Bundy Butte. Uh, we also have the Mishkov Mania shirts. Got hats. Got mugs. So you can get your Mishkov Mania stuff now while you wait for the next however many years until he comes over. You can get the Snow the Goalie crest. You can get the Snow the Goalie logo. We got polo shirts. We have the Adidas Performance Polo shirt, which, by the way, our polo shirt, shirt is cheaper than most of the stores. Like if you go look at Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever for that Adidas polo shirt, I'm just saying some places charge at 55. We're only charging 50. How about that? We're nice guys. Nice guys like that. Anyway, all this stuff is available over at shop.snowthegoalie.com. We've been on a hell of a tear selling merch over the past month since we opened the store. So head on over to shop.snowthegoalie.com. Farthest order so far is Australia. Now, I don't know how anybody could beat that, but I will tell you, Australia... An order was out there. We've sent to Canada. We've sent to different parts of Europe. I'm going to be interested to see where we go next. So shop.snowthegoalie.com. Go pick up your merch today. I can't wait till we get an order from the Arctic Circle, Russ. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> it's only a matter of How time. How are you going to get that there, Russ? <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to go get a bunch of dog sled? dogs. I'm going to get dogs. <laughs> I'm going to get a sled. And uh, you'll just, uh... I'll freeze. You know, there was like an episode of Hey Arnold back in the day where Hey Arnold's like he's he's out on the on the dog sled and he's got like this really giant coat and he like at one point he like closes up the head and he goes in and there's like a fireplace inside and everything. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. It makes no sense, but I love it. Um, sending an order to the moon, says Hunter, by the way. So there you go. Scott Walker says send it to Mars. Are there people living underground? If you're a Martian and you're watching this live stream and you're living underneath the surface of Mars. We can we can send it somewhere and then you have to like come pick it up and take it back to Mars. But you know, Elon Musk will have like international interplanetary shipping at some point in like the next oh, day. Yeah. By the way, I've I've I have temporarily found a way to uh beat Elon Musk oh. on Twitter. Temporarily. I don't think I don't know how long it's gonna last. But as you know, tweet deck is now you gotta pay for it, right? Which is pissing, okay. pissing a lot of people off that, you know, the journalists have used TweetDeck for forever now because, um, you know, it, it's able to put everything into columns and, and it's easier to to see what you need to follow. Right. Um, there you go, Zach. That's good. Send some stuff down to Georgia. That's right. But uh, so now so when you go to type in TweetDeck.com, you, you're the thing used to be Twitter blue, whatever it's called now. X X Pro, I think is what, he's, what it's called. X Premium. Yeah, or whatever X Premium, that you have to pay if you want to use TweetDeck. Thing is, on my computer, I never shut down TweetDeck from before, so I still have access to TweetDeck on one of my computers. 
as long as I leave that tab open, <laughs> I'm able to access TweetDeck when other people are paying $84 a year for it. Wow. So. Anthony, Anthony, really outsmarted him. Just wait until the computer resets. Uh, hey, I think it's great, Ant. I think it's fantastic. I, I'm so proud of you. That's what like you're it's using. A temporary, it's a temporary thing, right? I don't want to think about you. Um, we have a lot of people. <laughs> Sean C. Bundy has a look of a man who could not give two shits about TweetDeck. I don't even know what the I... fuck it is. You guys are talking about this, and I'm like, what is this? What the fuck are they talking about here? All right, anyway, it's good. Uh, beautiful. Caitlin's, beautiful. Caitlin's right, though. Everybody should just keep calling it Twitter. No one wants to call it X. Yeah. So it's 100%. I've, been calling it, I've been calling it Twixter. With I've a big seen X in the middle. Yeah. 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 Twixter. Yeah. Look, um, I don't know if there's anything else you guys wanted to get to. I'm I'm fine if we wrap I, I, for today. I do have Oh, that's one right. Thing. We have the thing, the football thing. Go ahead. Yes. Very important, yeah. Russell, that yeah. we bring this uh -huh. up. Um, I don't know if you saw this. JJ Watt, recently retired uh, NFLer, um, yeah. uh, comes out the other yesterday, I think it was yesterday on Twitter, and he puts this out there. Love seeing footage from NFL training camps, but can't stand accounts posting video of one rep from one-on-ones on, one on and making outlandish statements. And I thought to myself, man, that sounds a lot like me complaining about the people putting up the, the Mishkov videos from a three-on-three -three tournament. <laughs> so I know I got J.J. Watt in my corner on the ridiculousness of putting up these little videos from games that don't matter. I mean, that game that was 3-2 last night, late in the second one quarter, point, didn't matter. Five, five, then it was 5-3. 5-3. <laughs> five, three, five, three. No, I'm talking about the Eagles game last night. Was yes, like, and then, yes, yeah. it was 18-18. Yep. It was 3-2, then 5-3, then it ended up being 18-18. There was, there was two safeties? No. No, it was no. Uh, I mean, not, not safe. Uh, yeah, there had there was to be. A two point, there was a two-point conversion. Two point conversion. Yeah, there was a two-point conversion. Oh, okay, okay. Later on, the, in the NFL game. preseason might be the stupidest of all the preseasons. You, what do you learn? The funny. This is, and this is the last thing I want to say for this episode. But like the the fact that like so many people get so excited about preseason because it's like, oh, well, you know, you have to you have to see which fringe guys are going to make the playoffs. Like, who's going to be your last linebacker? Who's going to be your last running back? Who's going? It doesn't matter because most of those guys aren't going to play. You know, like down the line it can, but it's more likely that somebody off your practice squad, you know, six six weeks or ten weeks into the season is going to impress, and they're going to get the call up, and they're going to actually play the meaningful snaps, not the guy who like just barely makes the roster. Support for those players, but like it's a dreadful product to watch. I mean, Completely. it's just not fun, and watching Marcus Mariota is not going to instill confidence. I mean, it does make you think, though. Jalen Hurts, very good quarterback. Hey, by the way, on a, on a completely separate note, yeah, from Smitty Smith. Bundy has a Fishtown shirt on. He must be a real good guy. I mean, listen, so I'm going to I'm gonna tell you this story. So my my business, right, this is kind of the, the play on Pennsylvania Recovery Center where we help people with addiction and mental health. Many people know my story of recovery. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the place that I have is on the corner of Palmer and Girard Avenue in Fishtown. And when I've, I've met so many people that were either had gone to like North Catholic High School uh, or a lot of the places on the Northeast. So I became friends with them. And I think the parody on it is, yes, I have a recovery center, but one of my good friends, Jim O'Connor, uh, ended up giving me a Fishtown Tavern t-shirt. And was this the one I grabbed out of the drawer this morning? So little play on it. Yeah, maybe perhaps it is. But these, uh, you know, I love Fishtown and, and the people from that community. Uh, just, uh, you know, down by the casino on the water. Uh, 
I go down there. I love being down there, but I thought people were picking up on the, on the t-shirt and I certainly didn't do it for any reason. Um, but we're having a lot of fun with it. That's a good place to end guys. We have, um, we have two, well, we have two five stars. We don't. So we I, do, I we don't. Um, oh my God, we do. All right, go ahead. What's the first one? <laughs> we don't, but go ahead. The first one was from bowling 88 crazy. Did we do this one? Yes, we did. All right. Well, then we only have one five star. And what was and that? I and I and I know this one is kind that 30, of is that the thirty one saves one that and the, I know it kind of violates yes I know it te- okay, technically we, we violates your rule but before we get there though I want to point out there's somebody else who left a review up in Canada Cliff's cuts said five stars in the headline but it, it only registered as four stars so Cliff cuts if you're watching or if you're listening go in and to Apple Podcast change that to five we'll read it next next week because it was very nice um, but fine thirty one saves do you want to read it do you want me to read it. Go ahead. You have it. You have it ready to go. Great Flyers talk. Second five-star review. I know, that's a, I know that's a violation. It's, right? a, it's okay. We'll allow it this one time. Yeah. The first time I listened to the show, I thought it was about goaltending. And as a member of the union, I gave it a listen way back around episode five or six. Just finished listening to the latest episode. Too, sh- too soon for Mishkov. And as always, it was worth the listen. I'm an old guy that's been around longer than the Flyers themselves, so no YouTube for me. But I have to ask Russ if he thought Carter Hart was a top five goalie prior to the bubble. While I agree Hart should not be considered one of the top at this time, I believe it has more to do with the state of the team. 2019, he's the next great goalie. The next season, AV's message gets old. The team crumbles into a perennial lottery participant. Is that all on Hart? It's fair to say that he could and should be better, but I also would not look to trade him. A young Carey Price watched the Flyers beat Halak in 2010, and he turned out to be pretty good for the Habs. Um, also, Russ, you went 180 with your logic when the talk turned to Mishkov. Love the show even more with Bundy in the mix. Best free agent signing in the history of hockey. Also expecting my Snow the Goalie shirt any day now. See so. that? Good. It's a good five star. That was good. I actually do have. We, to do we owe anybody have, like a pizza lunch? Do we? Don't we, we owe somebody? We, like we do. Somebody. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we actually have. There's one that we owe, and I know who it is. Um, uh, Jen, because she's making us cookies. That was the, that was right. the deal. She was our 1,000th subscriber, quote unquote. So that's who it was. So we we have to set that up with her. Um, okay. But we also have another one coming, Bundy, that we we owe because we talked about that for the the fundraiser for the theater. That's coming. That that's coming on the twenty. That's next Saturday. The fundraiser. So okay. I'll let you know after that. We have a we have a, we're gonna have another winner. So we're, maybe we'll do them both together. We'll do them together. Okay. I just want to tell people we we've had a very interesting summer. We've alluded to this fact a few times. I'm hoping that at some point we're going to be able to talk about what's been interesting. <laughs> but as of right now, we can't. Hopefully uh, soon we will. If if somebody would just, you know, like let's let's you know get this going, okay? Uh, in the meantime, we're just going to continue to be the Only Flyers podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching, maybe even listening, whether it's on YouTube or if it's on Apple Podcast or Spotify, Stitcher, which is going away at the end of August. So please pick a different app. Uh, Amazon Music, Pandora, wherever you get your podcast. So for Ant on Twitter at Ant San Philly for Bundy at Cetarian Six, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thank you for listening, watching Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast. We'll be back next week with more Flyers talk. Have a great weekend, everybody.